0: busy not that different than many of us busy 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 i don't know what it is for you to do lists to do lists projects at home work commuting groceries church family kids activities caring for parents driving home driving here driving there volunteering busy 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 Maybe the disciples felt just the same as we did, that the greatest status symbol is being busy. So here we find the disciples, after all this activity, and they were exhausted. Maybe they felt their gas tanks were on empty. And they see Jesus go off, go off alone to pray. How, how they must have wondered what was going on. How they must have wondered what he was doing when he slipped off in the midst of all this activity. The disciples, they were devoted Jews. They knew how to pray. They must have prayed often according to their tradition. But I imagine they wanted something else. They wanted something deeper. They wanted what Jesus had, this seeming connection between the external and the internal, this integration of action and contemplation. They must have wanted his sense of authority, his sense of power. And so they ask him, Jesus, teach us to pray. And I imagine that Jesus must have been thrilled with the question must have been excited that finally maybe they're going to get it this is where it all starts where it ends prayer so jesus teaches them and jesus's prayer was simple it was open accessible radical it's even shorter and simpler than what we say in church father hallowed be your name your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us and do not bring us to the time of trial. Let's walk through it. Father, in the Aramaic, the word that Jesus uses is Abba better translated as daddy this close affectionate word this intimate loving relationship grounded in a relationship between a parent and a child parental love you know i don't think i really got what this meant until after my first son was born my first child was born my son isaiah and i remember after all of the excitement of him being born was over, and a couple days later holding him in my arms and being filled with all of these new, incredible, powerful feelings that I had for my newborn child, at that moment realizing that that love that I had for my child, that was like the love that God has for you. love. So I told the story to a friend of mine who was older, and he said, you know, it's actually something else. He said, it's actually more like grandparent love. (laughs) That, you can't make any mistakes, perfect, messy picture on the refrigerator love that a grandparent has for a child. That's what God's love is like. So I preached this last night, and Paul Gerstenberger, as many of you know, Paul Gerstenberger, an older member of our congregation, came up to me, and she said, you know, Noah, it's not grandparent love. It's great-grandparent love. (laughs) She said, see that love unfolding through the generations? That's God's love. But any way you look at it, it's that incredible, intimate, desirable love. Jesus says, Father. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. At Jesus' time, you know what other name was said to be hallowed? Caesar. Caesar. Hallowed be your name is a radical statement. It's to say, God's power. God. Your kingdom come. Not the Roman Empire. Not the established principalities and powers. It's God's kingdom that reigns. God's kingdom. Some people use the word God's dream. This place of love, equality, of justice. Where everyone's welcomed and everyone's valued. Everyone has a place at that table. Your kingdom. It's a revolutionary statement. Give us each day our daily bread. Sustain us today. Not lobster and prime rib. Not stockpiles in the freezer. But enough for today. Enough to provide us right here and right now. That's just. No 401k in this today, no home equity, provide for us today, forgive us our sins for we forgive everyone indebted to us, knowing that we're forgiven and forgiving others. This is about breaking chains of retribution. For attack violence, the kind of violence that leads to war, the kind of interpersonal violence that happens on a lo- lower level in communities and workplaces and neighborhoods, those slights and offenses being returned back and forth. It's about breaking those chains, it's about ending war, it's about being a person who stands in forgiveness that leads to peace. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. One of the most debated phrases in Scripture right now has anyone been following Pope Francis and his discussion of this line of the Lord's Prayer? Fascinating stuff, even leading to retranslations in some settings. In our Lord's Prayer, we say, we say regularly, and lead us not into temptation. So the argument is that God is not the one who leads us into temptation. Instead, God is the one who protects us. In our, the modern translation in our prayer book, it says, Save us from the time of trial. Maybe that's a better translation. That God is the one who helps to guide us away from danger, away from peril. God is the one who keeps us safe from tests. It's about trusting in God. That ultimately God will guide us to places where we'll flourish. Places of well-being. That God guides us away of places of danger. So here we have this prayer. Simple, open, revolutionary. You know the thing about prayer is it actually shapes us. We become over time what we pray for. The whole foundation to the liturgical traditions, the tradition that we're a part of of repeating our prayers again and again is that our prayers shape us. In Latin, it's the phrase lex orandi, lex credendi. The way of prayer is the way of belief. We are actually changed by the way that we pray. We become something we pray for. So my question for you is, do you wanna become like this? Do you wanna become close to God? Intimate with God, like God is your great grandparent? Do you wanna have your allegiance to God God's dream of love, of kindness, of justice, of equality, of mercy? Do you want that to be your primary allegiance in your life? Do you want to be someone who works for that kingdom, that kingdom to be born here on earth? Do you want to not worry about wealth or security? Not worry about finances? Not let that anxiety overcome you and know that God will provide enough for you today. Enough for you today. Do you want to be part of ending cycles of retribution and violence that ultimately end up in war? Do you want to live in a place of trust that God is leading you to goodness, away from danger, to places where you can thrive? Then this your prayer this Lord's prayer is your prayer and that way prayer can be a dangerous thing changing you changing the community and ultimately changing the entire world this prayer is transformative for you and for me For a world that so needs it. So you know. When I feel that I'm too busy to pray. When I find that maybe. I'm too important to pray. That. That's the voice. Of the evil one. That's the voice that. And rebels all this goodness of God. Martin Luther was quoted as saying that he prayed for one hour every morning unless he was really busy. Then he prayed for two hours. An invitation to you and to me. And you don't need anything to do it. You don't need a retreat center. You don't need an education. You don't need a book. You don't need a church building. You don't need a million dollar organ don't need a priest you don't need anything but to know that god is reaching out to you to pray so let us join in praying in praying this prayer that jesus taught us we can pray it like we pray it on sunday our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done